Well, talking about Abraham today, I started out and got all my information and I realised that I had about four days worth of preaching. And I, and I got the little note sent to me this week and it said 25 minutes. So I started pulling stuff out, you know, no, don't, don't want that. No, I won't look at that. So what we've got is Romans chapter 4, 16 to 21. I haven't got time for jokes, but I have got time to play with my ball. Can you read what it says? You can only see P-R-O. Hang on. How's that? Sweet. It's like the Premier League. You know how the referee comes past and takes the ball off the thing? I'm going to do that later. Okay. Here we go. Is it on the screen? Is it getting close? Good. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. This is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Even when he had no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body as good as dead. I know what he feels some mornings. And so was Sarah's womb. Now, I don't want to get too technical on this, but there is a time in a woman's life when it becomes impossible for her to have children because that season has passed. Physically, it's passed. Not just, hey, we're not doing that again. Those kids are unbelievable. Too old for that. No, physically impossible for her to have a child. And that's where Abraham and Sarah were. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. That's insane, isn't it? And he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Wow. Wow. No wonder he's called the father of faith. Do you know that Jews looked to Abraham through Isaac? Muslims looked to Abraham through Ishmael. And we look to Abraham through Christ. He literally is the father of all who believe. It's interesting, isn't it? It's insane. But it's wild. Abraham is something else. And I want to look at just a couple of things this morning. A whole bunch of stuff got cut out. But this is where we're going this morning. Faith is about promises. Can we throw that next screen up wherever it is? Faith is about promises. Abraham and promises are synonymous in the scripture. Whenever you find the Bible talking about Abraham, especially in the New Testament, Paul talks about Abraham and promises in the one breath. They're not separated. In Romans chapter 4, in Galatians chapter 3, in Hebrews chapter 4, and then in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, we find this concept of promises coming to us. You know, and this is, the, this is a crucial thing. Through promises, God enters 
our world. I'll say it again. Through promises, God enters our world. You think about Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham was in the Ur of the Chaldees when God called him. In, he was in Iraq, literally. And God somehow, doesn't say, somehow God made himself known to Abraham and his family such that they got up and they started to move to Canaan. But they only got so far and they ended up in uh, Padam Haran and f- where Abraham's father Haran died. And that's where the family stayed until God came to, to Abraham again and said, leave your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. That, look, this is amazing. We, uh, we have done that. We've moved. We moved from Newcastle to Armidale because God told us to. But we already knew him. You know what I mean? We've been following him for a long time. We've been hearing his voice for a long time. I don't know what God did, but he came to me in such a way that he moved him thousands of miles. So it's staggering. The power of a promise. When God comes in and gives us a promise, he's giving us an invitation to bring him into our world to change it. I want you to think about this. We, just, I'm just using this as an example because it's one of the things that I, I thought about a couple of weeks ago when Pam, Pam was talking about um, loving God with all of our strength. You know, our strength is our, it's our time, our energy, our resources. That's what, they're the three things we've got. Anybody that's done any of that kind of study will know that we have time, we have energy, and we have resources. To get stuff done. And if we don't have much in the way of resources, it takes us more time and energy. If we have plenty of resources and not much time, then it requires a little bit more strength. But I want you to consider this. When the young boy, and and Jared mentioned it this morning, when the young boy, did he do a good job by the way? Wasn't that excellent? When that young boy brought his fish and bread to Jesus, his lunch, yeah? He had no guarantees that he was going to get that back. That sacrifice. That sacrifice. There's a real good chance he could have gone lunchless. But he brought it to the one that's able to do miraculous things with what we bring. And here's the issue. God's not looking us to give him his, our time, our energy, and our resources as an act of sacrifice and walk away? No, that's not how he moves. He chases us down, fights till we're found. His eyes go to and fro across the earth, looking for someone through whom he might show himself strong. In other words, when he finds us, he wants to empower us with a promise that brings his power and his magnificence into the earth. So when he gives us a promise, when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you through this hospital journey, we hold on to the promise. And our faith grows, yeah? So you think about time, energy, resources. When we give our time, energy, resources, the Bible says he redeems our time. 
He says in Joel that I will redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. In other words, he'll restore new opportunities. He'll give us greater opportunities than we could ever, can ever imagine. In fact, the time. Yes, let's do that thing. Who wants a promise today? Put your hand up. Say, me, give me the ball. Give me the ball. As it goes around. The time, the energy and the resources. God wants to come and redeem our time. He wants to come and renew our strength. And he wants to come and multiply our resources. Isaiah 40 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. He doesn't want us to give us give his strength, give our strength away as an act of sacrifice and find ourselves strengthless when we give it to him. He gives us a promise. I'll renew your strength day by day. He wants when we give our resources, when we come and we, we put money in the offering or we give money to the uh, the thing last week. I'm not a very good salvationist, I can't remember what it's called, Ian. Self-denial. We don't do it as a sacrifice because we believe that God, because of his promises, will multiply. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 says that he that gives seed to the sower will multiply your seed so that you will always have enough for every good work. He doesn't take it away in sacrifice. He gives it to us in multiplication. That's the nature of of the promise. So I want to look at that very briefly this morning. Uh, let's throw that, that slide up. Hebrews 11.6. It says, And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, number one, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. He wants us to believe that God exists, number one. But he goes a step further and rewards and gives promises to those who believe him and gives opportunities for the power of God to come into their lives and change them. He gives love, like we heard last night, that when it's let have its head, it can change the world. We must believe. See, the problem is some of us, when we think of faith, I believe God's there. Excellent. Excellent. James says, you do well. So do the devils. The devils believe he exists. Now he says, take another step. Go a bit further. Believe not only that he's there, that he's a rewarder. That he wants to come and enter your life and make it better. If I can leave you with something today... It's this, God wants to come into your life and make it better. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I've come to make it better. I've come to give you life, just not a little bit. I've come to give it abundantly. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he lavishes grace on us. I... uh, I knew of this group that, that prayed for healing, you know, and they, they said, um, if any sick amongst you, let them call the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil 
and they'll pray the prayer of faith for your sickness. And so who's seen it? You know, somebody comes out, I'm sick, can you pray for me? We get out this little bottle, you know. We put a little bit on our thumb, we make the sign of the cross on the forehead and we pray for them. This church, they put a tarpaulin down on the floor. They put a chair on the tarpaulin. They filled a bucket with oil. The person sat on the chair and they tipped the bucket over their head. And it ran down their head, all over their clothes and dripped off onto the floor. Bible says when God gives us grace, he doesn't stick his finger in the end of a bottle, make a sign of the cross on our head. He gets a bucket and he lavishes it upon us. Amen? He's come to make it better. Now here's the thing, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. Now, where's my ball gone? Now listen, I promised that to Jonah when it was finished. You lot can't take it home, all right? Give it back. So this is what God does when we have a situation. And I want you to understand, this is not about, um, you know, sometimes we want to just go through the Bible and look for a promise and try and get it and say, yeah, that one's mine. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this. Come and stand before God and say, God, here I am. And let him speak a promise to you. And it might be something that's tough, yeah? Because like when you're 100 years old and your wife has already passed through the other side of menopause, having a kid is not an easy one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's some story, I tell you. Think about Sarah. When she was 90 years old, she was so beautiful that Abimelech couldn't keep his hands off her and stole her to be his wife. What was that? I'd like to find out what her beauty treatment was. 90 years old. Stand before God and say, God, here I am. And it's like, do I have to tell him my need? He knows what you need. Bible says he knows what you need before you even ask for it. Here I am, Lord. And he'll speak a promise into your heart. You've got it. What do I do with it? Do I just carry it around? Can I take the ball to the doctor and say, Doc, I know I'm sick, but God gave me this ball. It's got promise written on it. Is that going to help me? Look what it says. Now faith is the confidence. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. We've got the ball. We've got the promise. How do we make this thing work? How do we make God's promise work in our life? The Bible says that we take the promise to ourselves and we mix it with faith. Faith becomes the substance of things hoped for. We've got this promise, but let's face it. If you're broke and you've got a bill, and God says, I'm going to supply all your needs. You cannot take this ball with promise written on it down to the, to the electricity people and pay for your electricity bill. Well, you can try, but you may not be very successful. No. What happens is we begin to mix faith with that promise. God, I believe you. 
Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I read in your word that you are the one that brings your promises. You make it work. The Bible says that Abraham considered his body, but he believed God was able to give him the promise. I want you to think about this. God said to Abraham, you're Isaac, your boy. Yes, God, thank you, my promise. The one through whom my name is going to be remembered. The one through whom a whole multitude of people, a, a nation, kings is going to come. God, thank you for Isaac. I cherish him. I'm so grateful that you put him in my life. Yeah, yeah, good. Settle down, Abraham. I want you to take him to Mount wherever, Moriah, I think. And I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. What? What? God, you told me that this was the way the nation of Israel was going to come into being through my son. You said to me, it's not going to happen through Ishmael. Send him away. Through Isaac, the promise is going to come. And now you want me to kill him? The Bible says Abraham didn't weaken in faith. He reasoned according to the promise, not according to the situation. The Bible says he reasoned in Hebrews that God was able to give him Isaac back from the dead if it came to that. Isn't that something? Here's a challenge. As we take the promise into our heart, we don't reason according to what we see. We don't consider the fact that he, I'm 100 years old. I don't consider the fact that my wife's been through menopause and she can't have kids anymore. I'm going to reason according to your promise because I know who you are that's given me the promise. God, I know that you created my body in the first place. I know that you created the womb in the first place. And God, if you can open up a stopped womb, God, you can do something with a dead one. Yeah? It's like the... It's like the... the uh, I can't remember the joke, but it was a good one. No, I haven't got time for jokes. You know the one about Jesus... We killed a Jew once here and it wasn't very successful. Three days later, he came back to life. God, you're the one that gives us the promise. Faith makes it real. Faith makes it real to us. And see, there's something that happens in that transaction. Just throw up the next screen. This is interesting. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. The writer of the Hebrews talking to the Jews says that Israel as a nation received the same promise. Uh, sorry, the, the people in the wilderness received the same promise as we have received. But look, the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promise with faith. Another translation says they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't take the ball into their chest and go, God, I believe this. God, I understand who you are. I know who you are. God, I thank you for this promise. God, I believe that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. That's all the bits that we didn't get to see. We didn't get to see. The the Old Testament is a highlight reel 
It landed on various times and significant moments in Abraham's life. What it left out was the times when he was in the tent for 13 years saying, God, I believe the promise. God, I believe you. Well, he's out with the sheep, walking with the sheep and just, I don't know, whatever you do with sheep in the middle of the desert. God, I believe you. God, I thank you for the promise. God, I haven't seen it. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm 100 years old, God. Sarah, she's past it, Lord. I know she is. Still a lovely looking woman, but God, she's past it. God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you promised me you'd do it. God, I choose to believe you. I choose to take the promise over the problem. I choose it, God. As an act of my will today, God, I mix your promise with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. And so I didn't profit them. Here's a challenge to you today. Do you have a need? <laughs> of course I do. I'm breathing. Who, who has a need here? Anybody? What? The rest of you doing okay? <laughs> who, who has a need to pay a bill? Yeah. Who, who has a need, need for a husband? Anyone? Anyone here single would like to get married? We had a friend that was living in a country town in northern Queensland and uh, another friend was up visiting her at the time and she was complaining to him that, you know, I know I'm believing God for a husband but I just don't think he can give me a husband in this little town. And she was really desperate and really upset. And he said, look, if you can't believe God to get your husband here, you need to move to some town where you can believe God to get your husband. Yeah? Because sometimes it's about moving from Haran to Canaan for the promise. Sometimes it's about staying when God tells you to stay. But it's taking that promise to yourself. It's saying, God, you know my need. Here I am. I'm not going to wait till you look and find me. I'm going to present myself before you and say, God, here I am. Here I am. My heart's towards you. I'm going to trust in you. I heard that old guy last night talking about a love that can change the world. God, I'm a candidate for that kind of love. Here I am. God, you know my life. You know this. I've wasted time. You know my life. I, I, I've blown my resources. God, you know my life. I've consumed all of my strength and I'm frail and I'm empty. But God, here I am. God didn't say the eyes of the Lord is going to and fro across the earth looking for the strong, looking for the rich or looking for the powerful or looking for uh, the ones with lots of time. It said he's just looking for those whose hearts have turned to him. And he says, I'll take that one. And here's a promise. And we take it. We bring it to our bosom. And we begin to mix it with faith. If you're a candidate for a problem, sorry, a problem. If you have a problem and you're a candidate for a promise, why don't you stand this morning as we close?